0: A lot of times we see the superhero side. We don't see the Clark Kent. But we're about to read about a guy who had some serious relational issues. In, in fact, in fact, uh, the title of this message is kind of random, but I like it. I don't know. It's, it's the title. The title is Ninevites and Neighbors. Ninevites and Neighbors. We're not going to get to the neighbors part today. But we're going to talk a little bit about Ninevites and how to deal with the Ninevites in our lives. Um, How to deal with the Ninevites in our lives. Because we all have or have had at least one Ninevite. In fact, as I'm talking about Ninevites, there's some of you like, what's a Ninevite? (laughs) And then there's some of you who know exactly what I'm talking about. But we're going to read this story now and we're going to learn, we're going to learn how to recover from those seasons of life that just don't seem fair. Y'all with me? Here we go. Jonah chapter one, Jonah chapter one. I'll read it. I had it, but then I, I changed it. Jonah chapter one. Here it is. Jonah chapter one. Are y'all with me? I'll be reading from the New King James, huh? Eh? Is that what I sent you? New King James? All right and uh, this is going to be good. Y'all ready? It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, (laughs) instead of doing what God told him to do, and instead of going where God sent him, did the complete, Opposite. Can I tell you our first response when it comes to dealing with the Ninevites in our lives? Is to do the opposite of what God tells us to do. Because most of us are justified in our anger toward the Ninevites in our lives. Okay, I'm going somewhere with this now. We all got them. And our tendency... Is to do the opposite of what God said when it comes to the Ninevites in our life. Can, can I give you some context uh, so we understand why, possibly, why Jonah went the opposite direction? Here it is. The book of Jonah is unique among the prophets, and this is from a commentary. It's unique among the prophets in that it is almost entire narrative, right? So there's no conversation between the characters in the book except Jonah when he prays. It just tells the story of what happened. It's almost, almost, almost entire narrative. It recounts how Jonah learned that God was much bigger than he had thought, especially in the extent of his power and his compassion. God is not just powerful, but God is compassionate even to the people we hate. I want you to hear that. God loves the people you don't like. I'll say that one more time. God loves the people you may not like. (laughs) One last time for good measure. As much as you feel justified in your anger, God loves people you don't like. So while Jonah tripping about the Ninevites, God is preparing to show them compassion. All right. Jonah was not pleased when God commanded him to go to Nineveh and preach repentance. Now, let me tell you about these people the Ninevites who were descendants of the Assyrians. Well, the Assyrians, Nineveh was just a city. But these were the Assyrians. This was their capital city. This was their stronghold. The Assyrians worshipped the vicious god Asher and a multitude of other gods and goddesses. Assyrian brutality and cruelty were legendary. The Assyrians were known to impale their enemies on stakes in front of their towns and hang their heads from trees in the king's gardens. So when he rolled up to see the king, there were people hanging all over the garden. Uh, they, They also tortured their captives by hacking off noses, ears, or fingers, gouging out eyes, or tearing off their lips and their hands. They reportedly covered the city wall with the skins of their victims. Rebellious subjects would be massacred by the hundreds, sometimes burned at the stake. Then their skulls would be placed in great piles by the roadside as a warning to others. Jonah decided that he would rather quit the prophetic ministry than preach to such people. Nineveh, check this out, Nineveh was about 500 miles to the east of where Jonah was. So he headed for Tarshish, probably what is now Spain, the farthest western location he knew, about 2,000 miles from Nineveh. Nineveh was 500 miles from where he was, and he started sailing 2,000 miles away. That means Jonah was so done with the Ninevites and the Assyrians that he sailed. He began the process of sailing 2,500 miles from where God wanted him. Can I tell you that the moment you choose to disobey a, in the army would say, a direct order, you'll find yourself 25 miles away from where you're supposed to be. No matter how justified you feel in your anger, you're going to find yourself 2,500 miles away from the will of God. Okay.
1: And I think just... Let me, let me, let
0: me, hold on one second. Jonah is the story of how God teaches a lesson to a narrow-minded sinful prophet who represents all God's people who think we have a monopoly on God's grace. When Jonah refuses to preach in Nineveh and God retrieves him and mercifully delivers him, Jonah is thankful. Yet, when Jonah preaches to Nineveh and the people repent and are mercifully spared, Jonah gets angry with God. All right, I'm talking, let me me, me tell you that all of us have Ninevites in our lives. People who we would rather see God condemn than redeem. I'm talking to Christians now because we all have dealt with Ninevites. In fact, their sin and disobedience is so repulsive. Yet God says, I love these people. And guess what, Jonah? Jonah. Check this out. Jonah wasn't the only prophet in his generation. There were other prophets. There there was uh, at this time in, in Israel, there was Amos, there was Haggai, there were several others. Why did God pick Jonah? Let me tell you why God picked Jonah. God picked Jonah because as much as he wanted to redeem the Ninevites, he wanted to redeem Jonah as well. There are many of us sitting in church pews right now, lifting our hands in worship who are just as foul as the Ninevites. You ain't chopped off nobody's head. You ain't cut off nobody's nose. But the wickedness in our heart toward other people, in God's eyes, is just as evil as what the Ninevites are doing. We are no different than the prodigal son's critical older brother who when the, the prodigal son came back to his father's house after he had wrecked his life, refused to go in the house. Even though his brother had been restored, the critical older brother, church folk, refused to come in the house because this your son who took your inheritance and squandered it, is back and now you're throwing a party for him. There are many of us who are like Jonah who wish that the people who have hurt us that God would judge them. It's one of the reasons you stalk your your ex-husband's Facebook page and resent the fact that he has moved on and you're still festering in your anger. Let me tell you why God sent Jonah. God sent Jonah. Because while he's trying to redeem the Ninevites, He's also trying to redeem Jonah. Let me tell you something. The instruction that God may be giving you about reaching out to somebody is about God saving them, but it's also about God saving you. And most of us would rather see that person destroyed than redeemed. And Jonah was a prophet. Jonah was a prophet. Jonah went to church. And there are some of us right now, in our, and, and let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. We feel justified in our anger toward those people. Yet God loves people that you and I might hate. Let me, let me, let me keep going on with the story. Let me keep going on with the story. I'll let you jump in here, baby, in a second. Let me keep going on the story. So Jonah is out of the will of God. Justified in his anger, I will never speak to them again. You stay on your side of the road, I'll stay on my side of the road. And just because we refuse to confront a thing, doesn't mean it goes away. Your choice to avoid what you should confront does not mean it's going away. It is still there. And you can ignore it all you want. And you can say, go there and do your thing. But it ain't going nowhere. And you find yourself 2,500 miles outside the will of God. So the story continues. I'll fast forward to verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. So Jonah jumps in the boat. And how many of you realize that when you're out of the will of God, it affects everybody you're connected to? Even people who have nothing to do with your issues. He jumps in the boat with these people who have nothing to do with God and have nothing to do with the Ninevites. Now all of them in the boat, in a storm, about to drown. My unwillingness to deal with my Ninevites will affect everybody connected to me. Okay? So they jump in the boat, verse 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, in fact, baby, talk about this because Jonah... Who was the reason for the storm is fast asleep while everybody trying to figure out what is this? What's going on? That's the way it usually works, though. The people who are the main reason for the problem act like they ain't their fault. It's everybody else's fault. And they assume a victim mentality. Jonah's the problem. He fast asleep, but everybody else suffering because of what he won't confront. Talk to me about that, baby.
1: Well, we can and then back we'll,
0: up, go ahead and then we'll let him go.
1: We can back up to verse five. It says the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Come on. And so a lot of times that we can, uh, when, when trouble happens, it's just like, instead of confronting it, people just go to sleep, just, just sleep on a situation. Um, in, in women's ministry we've talked and in no way there's nothing about me. I'm talking about I'm giving context. Uh even though I do lead with my husband, there is nothing about me that is trying to rebuke or correct a man. That is not what I'm doing. I'm just talking about context. That's not there are some women who lead and they instruct men. I'm submitted to my husband. But this is an issue that I I brought up with him is that sometimes and I've talked to women in the past that it'll be chaos. It could be chaos with the finances or with the children. And instead of talking and it's not exclusively to men, I'm just talking about what I've, I've experienced. They'll be confused like he just went to sleep. I mean, there's a physical sleep, but there's also an emotional and spiritual detachment That is going on. And that's what was happening to Jonah. Jonah wasn't going on this trip like, oh, it's spring break. I'm going. He knew that he was willfully disobeying God. And all he did was just went to the lowest part. He didn't even want to be bothered. Didn't pray, just went to sleep. And it's almost if we're not careful i was telling him i said we should get josh to play you know from that that song stay woke it was in uh come on get what it. was in that get uh, i like that
0: falsetto baby get was, it one more time uh-uh, no
1: stay woke. it was what was the movie get out, get get out. out. it was it get out that's the cup and so what we want to encourage and it's not just men but women too don't go to the lowest part like okay la 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 it's gonna go away and go to sleep We've got to stay woke. These men were crying out to their gods, which you know was no use. They are innocent bystanders. The man of God is willfully disobeying, and his answer to the situation is, I'm just going to go to sleep. Yeah. Irresponsible. Yeah. That is irresponsible. Yeah. Irresponsible. And here, this is not to throw judgment on Jonah. I hope you can see the mercy and compassion Come on. of our God. Yeah. Yeah. That even when we don't even know how to deal and our best thing is let me just go and get in bed and hide and just go to sleep. And there is a storm and is chaos going all around. This was not a believer. This was an idol worshiper that's saying, can you cry out to your God? Yeah. yeah. How dare you sleep in all of this? And so I just want to encourage you is let's not, um, in Hebrews it says, shrink back. Good. Let's not shrink back from responsibility. Let's not shrink back from answering God. It can be scary. Nia, we were asking her uh, about this yesterday, and she said, well, what I learned from, from reading Jonah, because we were listening to it as we were We were listening throw. to it
0: on the drive up, and we told all the kids. We said, hey, you guys are going to help us preach this sermon tomorrow, so mm-hmm. all of y'all going to listen to this audio Bible, these four chapters, and tell us what you learned from what you heard. And this is what Nia said. And
1: Nia said, Well, what I learned is obeying the plan of God can seem more intimidating than it really is.
0: Good, good. Because Jonah is running away from Nineveh, but when he shows up, he only says, I think, seven words. No, I forget what, uh, 12 words. And the entire city falls on their faces in repentance. Repentance. The thing that God is instructing you to do with your Ninevites may seem intimidating now. But what if God has already prepared their hearts for what he's put in your mouth to say to them? Right now, it seems like the hardest thing to pick up that phone to call them. It seems like the hardest thing to set up coffee to reconcile. But sometimes obedience to God seems more intimidating than it really is. On the other side of your simple obedience could be an entire city, an entire family that is restored and redeemed. Even though on the inside, even though on the inside, it hurts. It feels unfair. But God loves people that I might despise. This is where we're going to close. We we didn't even touch the surface of the message. Didn't even touch the surface of the message. But let me tell you how Jonah, this is the last thing I'm going to say. Let me tell you how we are so like Jonah. We are so like Jonah in our relationships because we often seek relief instead of resolution. It's so much easier to get on that boat and travel 2,500 miles away and be swallowed by a whale than to do what God said the first time and confront our Ninevites. Because relief sometimes feels so much better than resolution. If I move to another city, another state, if I delete their number, block them on Facebook, feels so much better than having to face them again But let me tell you the danger of choosing relief over resolution. Let me tell you the danger. If you choose relief over resolution, as long as you choose relief over resolution, you are living outside of the will of God. I want you to hear that now. Don't get it twisted. It may feel good. But you're on your way to Tarshish when God told you to go to Nineveh. The voice that's telling you, don't reconcile, I guarantee you, 100%, it is not the voice of God. It is not God. I don't care how you try to wrap it. and wh- God didn't tell you that. He did not. He did not. And let me tell you again. Number one, you're out of the will of God because you're choosing relief over resolution. Number two. God, as much as he wants to redeem them, wants to redeem you. And And Kirk Franklin said it this way. I'll let you jump in. Kirk Franklin said it this way. When we self-medicate, we delay God's healing process. Let me tell you what relief is. Instead of resolution and we choose relief, we're self-medicating. We're self-medicating and we're delaying God's healing process. We're self-medicating with relief. Oh, I'll just cut that one off. I'll cut that one off. I'll cut that one off. I'll cut that one off. You can cut a million people off, but it doesn't mean you've, you've healed. You are still as hurt as when they did it to you the first time. So we delay God's healing process by choosing relief over resolution. And God wants to redeem them. As much as he wants to redeem you. And guess what? He wants to do the work of redemption through you to them.
1: If there is a situation that you're working for, greater than the command of uh, restoration, greater than that command is timing. Timing. So there is, you may need to, to work something out with someone, and this is how you start. Don't jump the gun. If they're a person that doesn't have um, maybe a moral compass, they may not be saved, or they, they're just not walking close with the Lord, and you're about to walk into a firestorm, you can ask the Lord, Lord, give me an opportunity for restoration to happen. You don't have to go and put yourself in harm's way or to be, you know, told off or cursed out or anything. And you could say, I left church and I called them and they were still mad and they did this. Pray for an opportunity. Good. Just ask God, believe God. We, there have been situations, uh, when Ray and I have, have needed to, to, to get some things right with people. And sometimes people aren't able to receive you or you're not ready to receive from them. But if you pray for an opportunity, it could be some weeks. There was a a situation, um, where there was some restoration that needed to take place between a couple of people and Ray and I were trying to help mediate it. And one person was not ready. They were like, I'm not ready. I'm going to continue to pray. The other person was come unraveled. They were, this is so mean. It is wicked. And how can you call yourself a Christian? That person was like, I'm not ready. They prayed. They worked on their confidence in God. They got scripture in them. And then they approached the situation and so we're not saying just run out and, and do what you're not ready to do, but prepare yourself. Have that confidence that God is for you. you can, we can give you scripture out of Matthew 18 that, you know, if you know somebody has alt with you, leave your gift at the altar. You go to that person. If they don't receive you, you can uh, take someone else. Ray and I are not putting ourselves in those situations again when it comes to family and close friends and conflict outside of the church because then they make up and then they're mad with you. And so uh, we've learned some lessons from that. But we've got professional counselors that we can refer them to. And so there you may need a mediation, but we just want you to understand that God desires restoration. And sometimes it's a process like there was a process for the breaking down of the relationship. There can also be a process of the building up, but we're never going to be able to get out of our responsibility to do what we can. If a person doesn't receive you, there's a scripture for that. The Lord says, approach them with peace. If they do not receive you, it says shake the dust from your feet and continue to go on. The Bible says, but if they receive you, dwell with them in peace. That doesn't mean that you've gotta be best friends and go out to dinner every single week, but there can be a healthy relationship. I don't think people just innately wake up and say, hmm, how can I be a baboon today? How can I just really make somebody upset with me and how can I just really ruin their life? People don't initially wake up with that thought in mind. But there is a process. And one thing I wanted to say a little earlier is I through this, I have a little more compassion on Jonah than I've had all these years. Imagine this. Imagine Charles Manson being released from prison right now. Somebody calls and says, hey, Ray, Charles Manson is out of prison and we told him to come to City Church. And then Ray says, hey, he can go to the men's Bible study. Just imagine thinking some of you, you're evangelistically built. You're like, yeah, let him come. There'll be others of you like, wait, hold up. It's not going to be any security. We know what he's done. (laughs) Right. Can you imagine 120,000 Charles Mansons? Yeah. And the Lord is sending you one by yourself to go and minister to them? Again, we got to go back to having confidence. If God is sending you, he's going to equip you and he's going to take care of you. Yeah. When we forget, we don't have that confidence that God, you love me. You're for me. If you've called me to do it, I've got the power to do it. It will. Me. It is intimidating. It can make you afraid and be completely out of the will of God. But look at God's compassion. Yeah. He didn't change his mind about Jonah. Right. He didn't go and get him another prophet that was more obedient or easier to work with. I called you Jonah. You're the one that can do it. And all the people needed to hear was a word from God. As soon as Jonah preached that word, the king. Yeah. He made sure that not a person or an animal Mm -hmm. ate or drank anything for three days. They sat on ashes and they repented. Yeah. They just needed one word. They just, they, but there was some legend As we did the study that told them about a man that came out of a fish's belly. That's what prompted their hearts. They thought, wow, this really must be God. This really must be God. All Jonah had to do was show up. And even in his running away and being captured and in the belly of the fish, that was a word that those people could receive. And then it goes on. God asked Jonah this question because Jonah, he just whoo. I wouldn't be surprised if my family line (laughs) traces back to Jonah. For me personally, God said, if you're concerned about this right here, this one little thing, why should I not have compassion on 120,000 people who don't know their left hand from their right? God was saying, why should I not have compassion on 120,000 people that are in spiritual darkness? It wasn't that they were rejecting God. They didn't even know he loved them. Yeah, And so just be encouraged as we're building uh, maturity and compassion toward others. People just don't wake up and say, hmm, how can I just make you angry and, and hate me? We, we all need that compassion and the end.
0: The end. No, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to Josh. I think I was breathing into this mic. So uh, powerful stuff. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're done. Like I said, we didn't even scratch the surface of what we're going to talk about. But we're going to continue in the weeks to come. I encourage you, invite a friend and be a part of what God is speaking to our church in this season. Uh, let me encourage you. Uh, anyway, let me not go down that road. Let me not go down that road because we'll be here another, another five, ten minutes. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And uh, pray for me and pray for my wife. Let's pray for each other. That God will give us wisdom. Concerning the Ninevites in our lives. Concerning the Ninevites in our lives. That God will give us eyes that see the best.